Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 21 of Farscape. La Bomba. Actually, it's the We're So Screwed trilogy, so it's We're So Screwed Part 3, La Bomba. Wait, don't give me that look before I tell you the piece of trivia that I saw on the trivia page for this for this uh, particular episode. All right. Which is that they originally wanted to call it La 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 Bomba. They should have just gone with that or Lolan Bomba. Lola Bomba? Yeah, like... Like the ship? Yeah. But that implies that the ship has a much bigger part than it does, which it has, like, no part. And they've never done that with the title of a Farscape episode before. Wow, fair. Okay. Okay. I mean, Lola's in the episode, right? Yeah, the ship The ship is in the episode, basically just enough to be worthless. Hey, it's like Dargo's entire character. Wow, you are so mean. Yeah. Anyway, this is the end of the third parter, and it's the penultimate episode of Farscape, right? So next next time is the finale. And What is this, Buffy season four? It's very similar, right? I was actually saying to you, the finale kind of ends on a cliffhanger, and we know, because we exist in linear time, that after the cliffhanger and they got canceled, they did do a follow-up movie, which we'll do. So next episode isn't our last episode. We're still going to do the follow-up movie. What is this, Firefly? Yes, this is Firefly, except way better. Which is weird. It's weird that I feel like Farscape is a far superior show to Firefly, which I do. Mm -hmm. And I have a Firefly tattoo, but not a Farscape tattoo. You know what that means? That Farscape has too many fascist symbols and not enough non-fascist symbols. Okay, so number one, that's the truth. But I was I was thinking more. I need to get a Farscape tattoo. But you're right. Like there's no, like what am I going to do? Tattoo a peacekeeper symbol on me? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Right? What would I even? Now I know some people who have like beautiful like I know a particular person who has a bunch of beautiful um, starship tattoos, uh, portrait style on her. She's like a got a whole sleeve of them i think she might have them all over her body and i think she might have moya and if i were doing that that would be a thing i mean moya's not a particularly pretty ship though yeah but if i turned my entire arm into a space field that was filled with starships moya would definitely be one of them that's a lot of commitment just to have a farscape tattoo right see that's not what i'm doing exactly that was my point exactly why don't you get a tattoo of uh that little arm that Aaron had sticking out of her when she was turning part pilot. Just have the little arm tattoo. Like tattoo it on on my abdomen where the arm was sticking out? Yes. Yeah. 100%. That is the Farscape tattoo to get. Yes. Don't. Don't. Don't joke. You know the tattoos we do have. Yes. I am. I'm aware of the matching tattoos that we do have. Which is a very, very niche reference. But <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that. But it's so tempting. It's so tempting. Okay. What was I saying? Right. There's a follow-up movie. Mm -hmm. There's a follow-up movie. And I was saying, if there was not a follow-up movie, if we existed in a world where the series was all we had, then I would tell people watching the show to stop at this episode. Because this episode is a great wrap-up of the whole series, in my opinion. I mean... Now I'm now I'm like now I want to put like a little asterisk on that and be like it's a great wrap up of the series assuming that we never are going to get the Nabari story that we should have gotten which we're not we're never going to get that assuming that this is a great wrap up they're doing comics right maybe in the comics there are comics there are novels I to be honest I haven't read the comics so I don't know where they go I I mean I don't know where they go plot wise but yeah I would really 
in their canon in the same way that the Buffy comics are canon, which is like, yeah, I mean, they're more canon than like fan fiction, but yeah, let's be real here. Yeah. Well, you know, there's still people out there pushing for Farscape to come back. I, to be honest, as much as I love Farscape, I don't really feel like it should come back. I think it would just be like... Yeah, I feel like our culture has a problem with not letting things die. Well, not letting things end. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't think, I don't think more Farscape, especially at this point in time, would be what we, what we really want. Hey, it's all the actors you love, except they're all really tired now and don't feel like doing their job so much anymore. Right? Yeah. And and even then, well, because... I would rather Ben Browder and Claudia Black and Gigi Edgeley and, and all of them be out doing what they want to be doing, right? Like, Claudia Black is out doing her own projects now. Ben Browder is doing something. He was in the last Guardians of the Galaxy movie, so theoretically he might be in the next one, too. Yeah. Yeah. He was, like, that gold empress's lady's guy who stands next to the gold empress lady. Right, right. I mean, I feel like James Gunn felt like he had to put him in somewhere because of how blatantly he ripped off Farscape for Guardians of the Galaxy. We will talk about that in length at some point. At length. Yeah, yeah. We're going to... I said we're going to still do the wrap-up movies. So just to just to be clear, the end of this podcast is going to be the Peacekeeper Wars. We'll do two episodes on the Peacekeeper Wars, and then we're going to do an episode on Guardians of the Galaxy, and then that will be our, our real wrap-up. Mm-hmm. Just, just the first. Just volume one, I think. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to do volume two. Yeah. Or th- and it, three, which will be out by the time we do. Yeah. By the time we're recording. I drove by a movie theater and it was it was selling tickets. I'm like, that can't possibly be out yet. But I guess they have to pre-sell tickets for sort of thing now. That's so weird. I feel like, don't we keep hearing that movies are dying? Movie theaters are dying? I, it's, that's got to be just a, a publicity gimmick. Well, I, I've heard mid-range movies are starting to make a comeback. Uh-huh. Like... We've we've mostly been seeing it in horror, but like there are a lot of movies that had smaller budgets that are seeing. The big problem is that I don't want to entirely blame Marvel, but like, as I understand it, the problem was that companies were less willing to gamble on mid-range movies, more and more money, because it's it's only worth it if you're making billions of dollars off of one movie. Yeah. So... You establish a tentpole franchise, you make big event movies, but that kind of stopped working after a while. Because I mean, people get tired of it. Yeah. The problem the problem is that capitalism demands more and more returns instead of just like a good steady. Yeah. And then yeah. all of these smaller studios were, were coming out with stuff like Mithrigan or Megan, if you prefer. No one prefers that. But, you know, it's a horror movie, slightly lower, I mean, a lot lower budget, mm-hmm. big return. Horror seemed like it was going to be the thing for a while there when they were doing like. Well, you've uh, got a twenty four out there making like really spectacular horror movies, and regular movies from what I hear. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. But like, we we need you need more mid range movies. It's a thing that needs to exist. Yeah, well, it, it's hard because with a blockbuster, you can you can sell people on you need to see it in the theater because you need to see it on the big screen. With a mid-range movie, I feel like it's hard, a harder sell. Hmm. And I, and now that I'm like thinking about it, I feel like the movies that have done well since since the pandemic uh, stopped being a thing people think about, hmm. uh, 
I feel like the movies that have done well, other than the big blockbusters that I hear about, have been horror movies. And I think horror is the thing, aside from, like, a big blockbuster that you can argue needs to be seen on the big screen. Well, the Mario movie just made, like, it, it I think, had the highest opening for any animated movie ever. That makes sense. It's for kids. It It, it is for kids. I, I, I deleted it. I got into a, a whole thing because a guy was talking about how, like, you know... Because someone posted, like, you know, it's nice that kids, like, I went to see the movie with my kids, and the theater was full of kids, and they cheered every time they saw something, and it was just nice to have something kids can enjoy, and someone went off and around, and was like, you know, oh, you know, you just feed kids these bland, brand-focused, blah, 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 and, you know, you, kids will watch whatever you put them in front of, you know, you might as well challenge them, and, you know, show them something intellectually and emotionally honest, and I'm like... Okay, A, you clearly don't have kids, because kids will not just watch whatever you put in front of them. Do you think our kid would ever watch Baby Shark? Do you think our kid would ever watch Baby Shark if I could just put her in front of whatever and she'd watch it? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, and, and this isn't even a modern parenting thing. I know my parents are are still having uh, flashbacks to the time that they took me to see the Care Bears Alice in Wonderland movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always the same. But to go back to your point a little bit, I, I saw someone who was talking broadly about this thing mm-hmm. where they were like, the problem isn't that nobody has new creative ideas. The problem is that studios aren't willing to gamble on new creative ideas. Like for every Super Mario movie you see or whatever, there were – hundreds of pitches that died because people didn't think they were going to be marketable enough. Yeah, and the sad thing is for a while it felt like streaming was going to fill that gap, uh, that streaming platforms were willing to take gambles that studios weren't, but now you've got streamers canceling things after one season because they don't see a return on their investment. And Immediately. Yeah, so I don't know where that's going to go either. Yeah, there was a thing that went around Twitter recently, an, an article that just, that went around about how people are unwilling to watch shows now until they're over because they want to know that there's going to be a conclusion to the show before they start it. Yeah, it's, which It's cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're like, if you're not willing to let a story unfold, then people aren't going to get invested in it. Mm-hmm. So funnily... Uh, This tangent actually does bring us back around to Farscape, because that's what I was saying, right? If there was not a wrap-up movie, I would tell people, stop here, because here is where we have a satisfying conclusion. And also, I mean, we do get a satisfying conclusion. We have the last episode, and then we have the movie that wraps things up. And let's not bring it back and drag it out. It's it's a good, like, beautiful piece of, of literature all wrapped up. Like, we don't need... We don't need more. It's over. We were done. (laughs) But as a reminder, last time on Farscape. So two times ago on Farscape. (laughs) Two times ago on Farscape, the Scarens captured Aaron. Yes. The Moya's crew rescued Aaron but lost Scorpius. And then John realized they had to go back and save Scorpius because the Harvey in his head told him that Scorpius had wormhole technology. Which, by the way, means that Harvey isn't totally killed, which John thought it was. So they went back to save Scorpius, and Scorpius stopped their escape attempt. Also, John has a nuclear bomb strapped to him, and if he gets upset, the bomb's going to go off. 
Yes, uh, and we found out that Scorpius is actually a spy for the Scarron Emperor, who's just some guy. He's the Emperor. I know, it It still feels weird to me that he showed up for this. Like, I get it, wormholes are a big deal, but like, it's not like you send the president out to talk to a guy who is running around with nukes. Like, you send other people. It's weird that the Emperor is here in person, something that might possibly go very poorly for him this episode. Yeah, it's a good point. Okay, okay, you won me over. That's a good point. Also, also, uh, Sokozu's working for a resistance, which, weird thing to throw in, like, two episodes before the end of the series, but Sokozu's part of a splinter group of Kadeshes? Kalish. Kalishes. That, uh, are... They're a race that works for the Scarens. Yeah, they're... Slave is probably not the right word. They're a subservient race to the Scarens, but they also have a suspicious amount of autonomy and power over the Scarens, which we'll find out more about this episode. Yeah. All right. So remember before when you were talking about how John trusts Scorpius, like... Yes. More than almost anyone? Scorpius is the person that John trusts the most. He does not like, obviously, Scorpius. Like, he is afraid of Scorpius, he hates Scorpius, but he trusts that Scorpius is capable of doing whatever, because, oh, time and time again, Scorpius has proven himself capable of doing literally anything. Well, that's what happens in this episode, because the last episode ends with Scorpius taking down John and stopping him from escaping, and, you know, bringing him with him, and... Scorpius tells him, like, I need you to trust me enough to not blow us all up with the bomb. Mm -hmm. And he does. The bomb does not explode. John, at some level, like at some base biological level, trusts that Scorpius has a plan. Even, Even as he's saying that Scorpius betrayed him and that he doesn't trust him. At some biological level, we see that that's not true. He does trust Scorpius. Also, ace emotional control, John. That's not really something I think of when. Uh, when you think of John Crichton, you don't think you don't think. <laughs> honestly, anyone on Farscape, but he didn't even have to put on an exaggerated Southern accent and scream for a while. It's true. Anyway, the the hat Scarin takes takes Scorpius back because theoretically he is her prisoner, and this and the Emperor. Gives John an out, and he's like, oh, you were just trying to get safe because of the riot, right? Don't worry, riot's under control. I do kind of really like this scene, because it's two people who are legitimately aware of what just happened, trying to kind of... Who is this for, where they're like, oh, you were trying to get away from the riot, not trying to escape. No, sir, I certainly wasn't trying to escape with that half scaring half sebation guy. No siree, Bob. Well, I mean, what's important is he also tells him it's a good thing that you didn't get to your ship because if you had, then we would have shot it out of the sky. So, because we would have seen it wasn't a Scarin ship and we're on high alert. So, just so you know, we will absolutely shoot your ship out of the sky. Yeah, it's, it's one of those cute scenes where, you know, everyone knows what's going on, but they're talking around it. Yes, it's all very coy. We also hear the Emperor talk to one of his guys who says that the ship Lola has been totally disabled, as I mentioned at the beginning. And once the Moya crew reconvenes with Scorpius, Scorpius is like, yeah, if you'd gotten to the ship, it would they would have blown it up. That's just that's just a fact. Okay, it, so do they have do they have 
technology that can out-technology Lolan, or did they just have a bunch of Dargo jizz on hand to, you know, turn all the stuff off? I think some questions are best left unasked, and I think that's one of them. <laughs> Let's not ask that question. I'm just saying they went out of their way to horrifyingly establish that fact about Lolan. Yeah. It makes the rest of them look like idiots for that one time. She was about to blow up in the ship, and she was emitting that radiation that stopped doors from opening so that there wasn't just the easy out of shoving her out of the airlock. Uh-huh. Or door lock or whatever. Yeah. Scorpius tells them all this, that, that Lola would not have withstood, you know, the Scarens, and they're like, you know what, let's try it anyway. And so Dargo tries to call Lola to him to, like, blow up a hole in the base, and then they'll all just take off and the episode will be over. And it doesn't respond to him because it's been shut down. Which, to me, is kind of, I mean, it's it's a dramatic moment, but to me it's kind of funny because this whole thing starts with them being like, Dargo, do you think that Lola could take out a Scaren base? And Dargo's like, probably. And then you can't even withstand, like, two Scarens messing about in it. Well, at least... You know what? Fair, because I never had the problem with, you know, Moya's too powerful, uh, Talon's too powerful. I I didn't like the fact that they kept on doing stuff to make it so that these ships weren't too powerful when... By making her pregnant or... Making her pregnant or... Disconnecting pilot. Why has Moya been burned? You would burn Moya! You would burn Moya, we're in torment. They're constantly doing all of this stuff to inhibit Moya and Talon, and I'm like... A, you could have just written them as being less powerful off the bat. And B, if your ship being able to move forward is too show-breaking for you, then write different problems. <laughs> I don't have as much of a problem with that. That just that just seems like basic storytelling, right? You give someone a power, but then you have to come up with a way to neutralize it. It's why it's why kryptonite exists. Yeah, but kryptonite's different. It's it's not like Superman flying is so much of an issue that he has to pull his flying muscle and then he has to walk everywhere. Like Superman's power is so book breaking that they had to invent a special kind of rock that makes him not be powerful. It's exactly the same thing. It's why it's why that we now use like my kryptonite to mean something that makes me weaker when I would otherwise just break the show. Okay, but my issue with Moya and Talon isn't that they're too powerful. It's that the things that they come up with are to stop them from doing incredibly basic spaceship stuff. Alright, alright. Like star jumping or whatever. Or firing guns. Or not blowing up all the time. I feel like these are the baseline things you expect from a spaceship. Anyway, yeah, Lola's a useless piece of shit, so. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. All right. So uh, so the hat Scarin confronts John and is like, hey, you know what? I think you're lying, and I don't think this bomb is going to go off. I don't think you're going to give us wormhole technology. I think this is all worthless. And she smacks him down and grabs onto the bomb. Didn't we do this last episode? We did, and she flinched last episode, and she presumably flinches this episode because we go to credits, and when we come back, John is, like, storming down the hallway with Scorpius in tow, and is like, all right, Scorpius, now that we're alone, explain to me what is going on. Yeah, I thought I missed something, but I guess I didn't. It's weird, and I think Why? It's... Why even have that scene? I think that they need... 
no, I, I'm not going to justify it. I, I was going to try to justify it with, like, needing to show uh, that she was trying to exert her control after the Emperor has kind of taken some of that away by undermining her with her capture of Scorpius, but you know, whatever. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What matters is the scene with John and Scorpius alone, which goes back and forth between John and Scorpius talking and John talking to the Harvey in his head, which is shot in the style of NYPD Blue, which had just aired. Okay. Scorpius is going for an accent here. Ben Browder wasn't allowed to do an accent, so uh, so, so Scorpius had to, to take up the mantle. Basically everything I know about uh, NYPD Blue comes from the the Family Guy joke. The tell me where the drugs are, or I'll show you my ass. Well, that was the thing when it first aired was that we saw ass in it, and it was like a huge deal that they were going to do that on network TV. Yeah. All right. This is where we find out something very important that maybe we should have known before. Whatever. It doesn't matter. They they did know that it was. Despite the asshole move of ending the next episode on a cliffhanger, they knew that they weren't coming back, that there was a very good chance they weren't coming back, so they had to wrap things up. So we learned that the Scarens survive on this special kind of flower. Like, that's what all of their power comes from, and... It's it's a brain-boosting flower thing. Like, they'd be mindless brutes if it wasn't for this, which... You know what would have been a neat twist? What? If the Kalish... Uh-huh. Uh, if it turns out the Kalish were actually the force behind the Scaran Emper- Empire and they were just using the Scarans as their face. Oh, that would have been a cool twist. I wonder if they wouldn't have done that if they had more time or mm. something similar to that. Yeah. And that would also explain why the Kalish are, you know, subservient to the Scarans, but they don't seem afraid of them at all or, you know, ever put out by them. Yeah. Like, if if they built up the Scarens as this, which it is kind of implied is sort of what, or more or less outright stated, what's going on is that the Scaran Empire, in order to be this horrifying force of psychic murder dragons, they need this special flower that makes them not mindless brutes. It's the- basically like spice. Well, it's also what lets them travel through space and stuff like that. It's basically like spice from Dune. Mm. For for the for the nerds out there, I know Max, this means nothing to you. But for for base level nerds out there, I feel like Dune is like base level nerdery. For base level nerds out there, it's like spice. Yeah, the spice must flow. It's like yeah, heroin, but it makes you psychic. Right? And also, it lets you travel through space. So honestly, it's exactly spice. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We're we're not getting another season. We're just gonna rip off one of the most famous sci fi things ever. Why not? Why not? So that room that garden room that john and aaron broke into in order to help start the riot last episode that's where the flowers grow and they grow in very few places so if they destroy that room basically the scarens are fucked okay this was a really stupid place to have this meeting then well john came to them i mean i feel like this is a stupid place to have any meetings well remember this is a secret base john only knows where it is by traveling to an alternate dimension so it's not it's not a bad place to hide your flowers. Still stupid. <laughs> also, if it's on a base, shouldn't they be able to grow them other places? Couldn't they just replicate the conditions if it's in an artificial environment? Max, we anyway? have two episodes left. We, do we, not, do we, not rip yes. into this. Do not, do not dig into this. Don't think about it too hard. It's uh, what, 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 what's the uh, the famous line? It's just, just monkeys singing songs, mate. 
that that is a famous line that we use for the mystery science theater 3000 sentiment just repeat to yourself it's just a show i should really just relax although that is counterintuitive to doing a podcast about something yeah i mean this is kind of what we do but also like the answer is we only have a couple episodes left also the answer is people do strategically poor things all the time that is incredibly true whenever someone's like oh they wouldn't do that because it would it would destroy their organization or whatever it's like no, that's something people do literally all the time. Go go on uh, the Malicious Compliance subreddit. Right. Like, Well, I was just going to say, I, I just said that I'm not going to excuse it, but maybe the reason that they do that is so that they can tightly control who has power. Mm. Also, well, I mean, what's the thing? It could be evil or incompetent or both, but like... The line is um, never ascribed to evil what can be explained by incompetence, I think, is what you're thinking of. Yes. Yeah. So we learn that Stark, when he very first appeared, the reason that Scorpius was torturing him in the first place was to learn where this base was so that he could learn where the flowers were so that he could blow them up. Because Stark didn't need to love someone when he sucked out their brain knowledge. Although I guess the... Well, he might have loved the person that he sucked that knowledge out of because other Stark in the other world knew that. Wait, no, she didn't know that knowledge. She sucked it out of Aaron slash Chiana. I wonder How if- did she know it? I'm sorry. I really didn't like the whole alternate dimension thing. And then it came back and I was like, I didn't like it then either, but- I guess I should I guess I should be dismissing it instead of moving on then, but now I'm wondering if there wasn't like a Nabari plot that involved neutralizing the Scarens through these flowers, because the Nabari are kind of the other massive force in the universe. Hmm. So and then it would make sense because the Scarens slash Tiana is Nabari, right? If if she had that knowledge. If she was Anyway, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point is, that's the information that Scorpius was trying to get out of Stark when he first met John, and this whole thing started. You'd think that uh, Stark would be more open to just telling Scorpius this story. Maybe if he had asked instead of just strapping him into the torture chair. I d- yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. I was kind of thinking that myself. Yeah, I feel like he would have just told him. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Home stretch. Home stretch. Power through. We also learn, and this should comfort you from last week, from things you were asking questions about last week, that no, there is no way for Scorpius to have the wormhole knowledge. The Harvey that was pretending to be dead in John's brain just reactivated so that John would go save Scorpius and told him that. Come on, that's a good answer. It it is a good answer. I don't know why Harvey, or how Harvey came back. He said he was only pretending to be dead so that he could, like, lie in wait in case John decided to screw over Scorpius. Okay, so just not dying is a thing with literally every version of Scorpius then. Yeah. Because it was like, didn't John have, like, brain surgeries? Like, I know he got the chip removed, but then he had a psychic echo, wasn't And then John defeated the psychic echo in psychic combat or something, and that destroyed him, but apparently it didn't. I guess it's like not thinking about an elephant. Yeah, well, I mean, he destroyed it. He just, listen to yourself. He destroyed it in psychic combat? What? John is so stupid that it starved to death. (laughs) Except we know John's brilliant. Yeah. He just, I was going to say he makes bad choices, but he frequently doesn't. It's. He he makes the choices that, he, he, he makes the only choices he has. Anyway, so, uh. 
Yeah, the new mission is going to be to destroy those flowers to stop the Scarens from... That's actually pretty brutal. I mean, the Scarens are a horrible monster race of awful beings who, you know, have done unspeakable things across the universe. But it feels really weird to reverse flowers for Algernon them. Um, okay, so... I, I, you were interpreting Scorpius's words as they're like unthinking brutes without the flowers. I was interpreting that as just being his prejudice. And it's not that they're unthinking brutes. It's just that they can't have psychic powers or do space flight without it. Oh, I assume that they'd be like, not like non-sentient, but I assumed it would just scale back their intelligence to the point where they're not a threat. Oh. Which also seems a little conceptually horrifying. It does. And maybe that's why I didn't think of it that way. Uh, speaking of things that are conceptually horrifying and that you thought had been pushed down and maybe haven't. Um, Boob sweat lady. Yeah. Well, so. Why is she still here? Here's what's wild to me. Everything that's going on, right? This was obviously a lie. John was obviously just here to rescue Scorpius. He started a riot. He tried to escape with Scorpius. But everyone is still going to keep pretending that John came here voluntarily to sell the wormhole technology to whichever race offered him the best deal. And so Greza is still trying to negotiate with him about it. And he reminds her that she sexually assaulted him, which is. She and he he calls it. He, he calls. He, he calls it rape. He like, which good. That was a really horrible, uncomfortable thing. And if you're not going to completely ignore that it happened, you should acknowledge it. It's kind of remarkable to me that a show ever, but especially 20 years ago, acknowledged uh, a, an especially assault against a man. And, and that that didn't, um, for that to be taken seriously. Like even even now, 20 years later, I feel like it's almost only ever played for a joke, which is disgusting. And for them to take it seriously and not kind of pretend it was something else or shove it under the rug or do any of that, uh, it seems remarkable to me. Uh, especially because she she does try to seduce him as part of the, you know, like, look, there are many benefits to working with me. And he's like, you raped me. Like, I'm like, no, you're a monster. And. I mean, in our other podcast, in our Once Upon a Time podcast, where we uh, welcome to Storybook, we talked a lot about how there was definite sexual assault against multiple main characters on that show that just basically got ignored. Yeah, the big one was our favorite, unfortunately, our favorite character, Regina, definitely assaulted Graham in season one. And honestly, the only way to get past that from a character point of view is to just assume that it was retconned since that's kind of what the show did. The show just ignores it. Yeah. Graham dies. He's after season one, never mentioned again. And it's like, yeah, they want you to not remember that, which fair. But the thing with Zelina where like. With with, with Zelina and Robin, like that's never really addressed as a problem and it's not it's not ignored it's just nobody ever acknowledges what uh how the, the you know that it was a crime that yeah. that she she murdered his wife made herself look like his wife and then had sex with him so she could get pregnant as a screw you to her sister yeah that's horrifying and the show didn't really seem to understand the reasons that that was horrifying to 
the characters who were the victims of the assault. Yeah, like, they treat her and Robin like they were exes, which, no, no, she, she, she raped him. So, I, it's, and I feel like that's kind of par for the course when it comes to assault in general, honestly, but especially assault when the victim is male. And... I mean, there's a whole... There's a whole Adam Sandler movie roughly about that. Yeah. Do you remember That's My Boy? Yeah. Although it's worse in that case because it's about... (sighs) Okay, so it's basically... It's about a teacher having sex with a student who's a 13-year-old boy, a female teacher. She gets pregnant and then he has to raise the baby. And it's about how, like, emotionally stunted... The kid is, because he's played by adult Adam Sandler, and his son doesn't really want anything to do with him because he was raised by, you know. Right. But the thing is, it's played for laughs that, you know, this 13-year-old boy, and, like, it's not acknowledged as assault. Also, weird thing, when we see the teacher as an adult in the movie, Mm -hmm. she's played by Susan Sarandon, who also played the same character in 30 Rock. That's weird. Yeah, which also is not acknowledged as the fact that she, you know, molested a child. I I feel like 30 Rock acknowledges it slightly more. I it's still not they okay. S- they still end up in a relationship. Yeah. Which, and, and Frank says that the reason he has arrested development is because the greatest thing that could happen to someone happened to him when he was 13. And it's like, that's not, no. Yeah. Uh, Pop Culture Detective uh, did a video essay about this trope and the problematic way it's portrayed in media that's really good. So if you want to check that out. Their video about uh, about the normalization of prison assault was really, it was really well done. And you don't think about it, but like there are don't drop the soap jokes in SpongeBob. Like it is something we are marinated in the acceptability of assault in prison as just a punitive thing oh man i definitely can't get off on this tangent but yes it is definitely part of like the carceral mindset of our culture but oh my god farscape we're so far off track here i mean we're not that far off we've been further off Mm. so dargo and chiana are inside of lola trying to figure out why it's not working and dargo's like wait Someone's been in the ship. I can smell it. I mean, obviously someone's been in the ship, Dargo. That's why it's been deactivated. <laughs> hey, hey, is Jewel still around? Did Jewel's hair get all wrapped up in Lola's stuff again? Oh, man, that was annoying. Actually, that would be a really good way to disable ships if you just had a bunch of Jewel's hair that you could, uh... Huh. That's a thought. Anyway, Dargo's gonna have to do a hard restart on the ship, and that's gonna take three hours. Doesn't he just have to, like, jam his sword in over and over again because nothing is subtle about Dargo? I mean, he says it's going to take three hours to restart it. Maybe maybe once you jam the sword in, it takes three hours. He's just going... <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is there something weird about the the ship that he named after his dead wife that he has to insert his phallus sword into to make it turn on and if someone else wants to use it he has to first cover them in his bodily secretions is there something weird about pointing out that there might be a weird sexual dynamic between dargo and his ship 
That he named after his dead wife? That he named after his dead wife. Although, I, sh- I mean, that's probably a pretty common thing. I shouldn't, I shouldn't trash on that. Mm. Anyway, meanwhile, in another part of the plan, Scorpius and Naranti and Rigel are talking about what to do if Sokozu can't get them elevator access because they need to be able to go into the elevator so they can drop the bomb on the flowers. And if they can't get elevator access, then they're going to have to, like, core through solid rock, and that's just not possible. Is it not possible? I mean, I guess it's possible. Then st- if only they still had Xan, she could have released those spores. Then Stark shows up and Scorpius is like, wait, it's not the real Stark. It's just a replicant the way the Aaron replicant was on the ship. And I know this because the real Stark would never torture me. Yeah, because I broke him, you know, as a person. Also because he didn't die when he did the face flashy thing. Oh, see, that's a much better reason for him to know that. I feel like saying Stark wouldn't torture him is... I I believe in Stark. I think Stark would be totally up for torturing Scorpius. Yeah, yeah. So Hat Lady's trying to intimidate John, and John's like, are we going to do the thing that we did earlier in the episode where you pretend you have any kind of leverage over me and then there's a commercial break and you don't? Like... You are not a relevant person. I don't feel like I need to worry about you. I mean, we're still doing the thing, though, where she thinks that they're bargaining. It's like, honestly, it's kind of cool the way this episode does it, even though it's very strange when you talk about it, where everyone is on the verge, where they're still pretending everything is just a social call and... Fighting is about to break out any second, and nobody wants to be the one who makes who who breaks that tension. So she tells John that he can go. All he has to do is leave Scorpius behind, and it will all be better. You don't have any authority. It's been very clear in every scene you've been in. You, you are bluffing on the worst hand possible. I do think, though, that this is... This is... Not a bad move on her part, because she knows that he doesn't care about Scorpius. But Aaron's like, I feel like I'm going to have to have an obligatory girl fight with her if I'm here any longer, so I'm going to go. And John's like, yeah, whatever. But in a nice way. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Emperor has come up with, he thinks, a way to disarm the bomb so that that stops being an issue. And Sokozu is still talking to her rebel... uh, Alliance guy? Sure. So that she can try to get the codes to the elevator. She's really nervous that if she gets caught, then it's going to expose the whole Kalish rebellion. And while I do definitely recognize that as being problematic, I kind of feel like Sokozu, the Kalish rebellion, will cease to be an issue. If you manage to blow up the flowers, it will be like, success! Yes. Oh no, the rebellion will stop existing if we succeed in our goals. It'll be the end of the rebellion. So. Unfortunately, John is not good at building bombs and the nuke stops working. Yup. I saw this really, really disturbing news segment about how ill-maintained the United States nuclear silos are. Oh, yeah. Which is just like, we spend a lot of money on the military. I feel like since we have... Many, 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 many nukes. Maybe more of our money should be making sure that they don't... Accidentally go off? Yes. If you hear any stories from, like, the Cold War and how close we came to just blowing everything up, it's so frightening. It's so frightening how close we came. 
Ugh. Anyway, this temporary detente is about to break, so everyone is trying to get to battle positions before that detente breaks. John's just kind of tucking the nuke, you know, into his pants so nobody can see that the lights aren't on on anymore. Naranti and Rigel are hiding from the guards who are coming around the corner. He asks Aaron if she can get the bomb working again, and she says no. He asks Dargo how long until the ship's going to work, and he says at least an hour. So really, the only plan is to get to the elevator and see what happens. So Hat Lady goes to talk to the Emperor, which, I mean, I guess overplaying her hand is like the one thing she does ever in this show. He's, the Emperor says that to her. She says the station is sealed, Crichton won't get far. And he says, that's going to be your epitaph. <laughs> like, he's he has heard that from her too many times. So Moya's crew gets to the elevator, but Sokozu can't get the door open. And it's okay, the Alliance guy, the Alliance guy, the Mm. rebel guy shows up. And he has the codes for Sokozu, but first he gets shot by the Scarens. So. Oh no, my purpose was served. And she she falls to her knees and she's like, no. Okay, let's get in the elevator. This is really important. This is really important, though. They get in the elevator and she's like, no. And Scorpius is the one who's like, come on, let's get moving. Because remember, remember, she may may dally with the rebel guy, but she's coming home to Scorpius. Yeah, I mean, it's Xena and Gabrielle in early seasons of Xena. Like, Gabrielle will have a one-off love interest every couple episodes or so, but at the end of the day, she and Xena are sharing those saddlebags. Yep. So they get the elevator down as far as it can go. Apparently they can't be reached by other people, and that's good. And is gonna activate a drill that's gonna get them all the way down to the flowers. Seems like it was real easy to get into the flower place last episode. Yeah, it seems... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they need to get... Beyond okay, so if I'm understanding this, I think they actually need to get beyond where the flowers are so they can blow everything up. I don't know. Uh, okay. You know what? I like this episode. I should stop nitpicking it constantly. The Sebations have discovered that there are Scarin cruisers on their way to kill Crichton, which Greza realizes must mean that the Scarins have figured out how to deactivate the bomb. Which means that basically this you know, you mentioned you mentioned America's nuclear arsenal. This whole mutually assured destruction, delicate balance has now been shattered. We we kind of skipped over it to talk about the, you know, John rightfully calling out Greza for, you know, assaulting him. Uh-huh. But the more devastating to her thing that he pointed out is that she's clearly expendable to the Sebation higher-ups, and that's why she's here. Yeah. Like... Because he's like, look, I will give it to the peacekeepers. They don't send, unlike the Scarens, apparently, they don't send their top brass to this sort of thing. You are here because you are expendable and you are going to expend today. Yeah. So, Scorpius, John, and Aaron are in the flower room and Scorpius brings them to what he calls the mother flower. Apparently... The way the flowers work, and this is very convenient for their plan, the way the flowers work is that this flower fertilizes all the other flowers, and if this flower dies, no other flowers can grow. And it's Xan. Dun, dun, dun. That would have been amazing. That would have been cool. Just to clarify, no, that's not what it... That would have been an amazing twist. No. Damn it! Yeah, call me Farscape 20 years ago. (laughs) 
Anyway, Scorpius tries to shoot at it, and it's one of those things where, of course, there, he can't shoot at it because there's there's a force field around it, but you'd feel stupid if you didn't try. Yeah. It's pretty easy to kill flowers, though. Just, like, put it... Change the pH level of the soil. Yeah, believe me, if I was... <laughs> I, the Kalish resistance should call me, because I can kill plants really easily, like, without even trying. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the elevator, they're trying to get they're trying to get it to go down, but there's like dueling overrides. They call it right. They override the scared thing, and then the scareds override their override, and then they override the override of the override. Yeah, Chiana's like Chiana and Sakozu. They're like hacking, and there's a hacker on the other side, presumably hacking it back. Chiana's standing very in the doorway of an elevator, which I would not trust to crush me. There is like a very real. Chiana's gonna get crushed by the elevator moment, and that's the thing that I personally am always afraid of when I'm, like, dealing with automatically closing doors, and I know intellectually that those doors all have safeguards and that they wouldn't actually close on me, but, like, Scarens, they don't care! Also, we all saw the first Resident Evil movie. Like, it's a strong visual image when someone is bisected by an elevator. Yep. So... Moya's crew is down there in the flowers, but the elevator has been overridden to the point that there is no way out. So we're going to have to blast our way out with Lolan. Well. Eventually. Yeah. For the time being, though, they are going to hide in the flowers. And I I kind of really love this because we're in space. We're in like the cold dead of space and not just space, but like tormented space. And our final showdown is going to happen in a flower field. I do really like that. Yeah. That's kind of beautiful. Also, John left the bomb on the elevator. Wah, wah. <laughs> I mean, come on, John. You had one job. I mean, he didn't. He had thousands of very complicated jobs, but one would think you would try not to leave the nuke on the elevator. So now... Halfway through the penultimate episode, Sokozu lets everyone know that she is part of a Kalish resistance and that she, in fact, has been genetically engineered to kill Scarens by emitting a radiation. She has a gland that emits radiation that kills Scarens. And everyone is like, why is this only coming up now? Okay, very, very little thing. I kind of would have liked it if they had made her half Scaren. And that was, like, the source of this. I yeah. Mean, it doesn't functionally make that much of a difference. But I feel like it would have been a kind of nice piece of parallelism to Scorpius, who's mostly screwed over by being, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and that would have, especially with the way that they are, I mean, we don't need to explain their relationship. If you want a bone... If you want to bone the S&M alien, then bone the S&M alien. But it would have been a cool, like, thing to explain her closeness to him. And you could have even had her be half the flat-faced ones for an explanation as to why she's more... Well, you could have just had her look like this. Like, she's she's half scaring, but people don't know. Yeah. 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 So... I do really like this bit. Sorry, go on. I just, I want to talk about how beautiful this is. Because she says that she's going to use the thing and she's going to kill the Scarens that are coming after them. But first she needs them to make a promise to her. And that that is that they won't let the Scarens figure out what happened. They won't let the Scarens know there are other people like her because that will put the whole resistance in danger. And Dargo tells her, yeah, we're a crew. You're, you're part of our crew. You can trust us. 
And we've talked before about how Sokozu has not been part of the crew up until now, especially because she sided with Scorpius and she wasn't there when Scorpius was their enemy. So that's okay. That makes sense. But she's part of their crew now. And honestly, this is the moment where she gets to be a member of Moya. But I also kind of feel like this is the moment where they've decided Scorpius is too. Mm, Yeah. He got girlfriended into the group. Yeah, basically. Also, I mean, I get that this is a concern for you. You know, Sakozu, but also how much do you think they casually socialize with Scarens? <laughs> I think she needs them to make sure that, like, they'll make sure her body isn't, like, discovered and autopsied or something. I really like this scene. She, it- I wonder why! Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Those of you who know me in real life, and probably a lot of you who know me on the internet, might know that I'm a little bit of a fan of the Phoenix Force. And this is basically a TV budget of Sokozu destroying all of the Scarens with a phoenix flare. Gee, a redheaded mutant flies up in the air, turns into a phoenix flare, and kills all the enemies? Why Why would that appeal to you, Max? Yes. Yes, this aligns very... This aligns with a very specific interest I have. Uh, can I just say that this... You said a TV budget phoenix flare? Can I just say that this is better than anything in the movie? Okay, I will defend, they did one good Phoenix Flare in 30 years of X-Men movies. They did one good Phoenix Flare. It was in X-Men Apocalypse. Didn't do any good Phoenix Flares in the goddamn Dark Phoenix movie. Either of them! They did two adaptations of the Dark Phoenix movie. They they didn't have any Phoenix Flares in, in The Last Stand. They kind of had one barely and the thing that really pisses me off about it is that right after right after those movies came out you know what came out what men in black international okay and in men in black international they had a couple of aliens that the the ones played by the dancing twins Uh uh-huh and they had this power that manifested as this cosmic looking fire and i'm like why weren't they using that for the goddamn Dark Phoenix movie? Well, I mean, they could have done a Phoenix Flare. They just chose not to. Which blows my mind. I mean, I know they got the guy who did The Last Stand to do the Dark Phoenix movie because apparently we don't learn lessons. Yeah, I, I mean, why does he get to do a do-over? Yeah, no, get someone else to do it. If, so, if, if someone fucked it up the first time, get... I'm okay, just... wait, I'm gonna... I... I... I've probably said it before, but probably not on this podcast, or maybe I have. I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to tell my thing about the Dark Phoenix saga. Okay. So. The scrambled egg thing. The scrambled egg thing. All right. So I read a story about this particular culinary institute, and the way that they tested you was you have to make a scrambled egg. And um, the reason is because scrambled eggs are a thing that seems really easy. It seems like everyone can do it, but it's actually very delicate because a proper scrambled egg is like... You move in a circular motion. What most people, when we make scrambled eggs, quote unquote, we're actually making chopped eggs, like a scrambled egg. You do it in like one fluid motion and you flip it once and that's it. That's a scrambled egg. And so it seems like it's really easy and it's really easy to make it fine, but to do it properly is very difficult. And that is the Dark Phoenix story. Mm. It seems like it's really easy, but it's actually, there's a lot, there's a lot of fine parts that is hard to do actually properly. Probably helps if you hire a different person. <laughs> Give someone else a chance? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, you were in the theater when we saw X-Men Apocalypse, and I I flipped out. Yeah, you got very excited. I got 
embarrassingly excited when they actually did a Phoenix Flare. And I knew it was coming because it got spoiled for me, but... Still. And to this day, it remains my favorite X-Men movie based off of those, like, three minutes of footage. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, Sokozu kills all of the uh, Sebations with her Phoenix Flare, let's be honest. The Scarens. Scarens, yes, not the Sebations. And... They're all, and now the elevator override is working again, so they're all going to get out of there. Scorpius still wants to destroy the mother flower, and they're like, Scorpius, we gotta go. Also, when we nuke this place, presumably the flower's not going to live. Well, the bomb's not working anymore. So yeah. now the plan is just to escape. Well, I feel like just even having the nuclear radiation in the same general area is probably not great for flowers. But Yeah. But John asks Scorpius, are you in or are you out? Because again... And and this is a moment where all of a sudden they realize, wait, Scorpius is on our team now. Hmm. Although I read this thing about sunflowers, actually, uh, like there's a thing with sunflowers and decontaminating nuclear radiation. Oh! Like I'm half remembering this. I don't know how true it is, but I think uh, it, it's apparently a thing that people use to decontaminate areas is, is sunflowers. Okay, that is really beautiful. Yeah. So, wow. So maybe you can't trust uh, radiation to kill this flower. Yeah, no, I don't I don't think the radiation is going to do it. Uh, meanwhile, Naranti and Rigel, who were pinned down, but now they aren't anymore because all hell is breaking loose by the elevator, realize that they have found Stark, the real Stark, Stark's real body. They open up the coffin and Rigel says, Stark, are you alive? Because I feel like they're trying to give us payoff for having to watch all those stupid comedy plots between Stark and Rigel before. Stark's like, oh no, I'm in hell. He, he, he looks up at Naranti and uh, he says, you're green. And she says, how nice of you to notice. And then the Stark Byloid comes in and... Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. What is that? Terminator. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway, he's going to kill Rigel, but then Naranti just throws a screwdriver into his eye and he dies. I've taken a life. That was such a weird thing last episode. I know he's a Byloid or whatever, so... Yeah, Byloids don't count. But, like, Naranti is totally cool with killing. It was a weird thing last episode when she suddenly had an issue with it. But, yeah, Naranti screwdrivers uh, fake Stark to death. and She's like, by the way, I took over for Xan, so if you want to, you know... Yeah, if you if you want that... If you want that character back, if you want to if you want to go back to playing Stark instead of Sokozu... Hey, who fills the same niche as your uh, as your dead girlfriend? This lady. <laughs> oh yeah, that too. That too. I, I think I think Naranti makes it very clear that she'd be cool with taking Stark to Bone Town. I mean, he could do worse. They could both do worse. I was gonna say Stark's Stark's a pretty good guy. I'm 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 on board with Stark. Yeah, I'm Team Staranti. Nork. <laughs> Anyway, while all this is going down, the, the very, very tenuous piece is being shattered, and there are Scarin cruisers, there are Sebation cruisers. The Sebation's like, um, I thought you were peacekeepers. This doesn't seem very peacekeeper-y to me. Okay. Okay. I love I love this because Grace is like, she's she's screaming at Braca, and Braca Brock is like, I have a moment coming up. I just have to sit on this a little while longer, and then I'm going to have a moment. <laughs> uh, anyway, the Moya crew is in the elevator, and they can't get it to work. So John shoots at it, and that makes it work, which is like, there will be no living with him after that. So. This is not a great episode to be a woman in power. Yeah, it's true. It's uh, It's the glass cliff. Yeah. 
So those of you who don't know, the glass cliff is when uh, it's the opposite of a glass ceiling. It's when a woman is put in charge of an already failing company. I th- I've heard it called glass parachute. Oh, I've never heard that. That's evocative. Yeah. Damn. Plus, it's the inverse of the golden parachute. So yeah, it yeah. It works on a few levels, but yeah. I mean, I like Glass Cliff, too, but... Yeah. Anyway, the drill is working now. Uh, Moya's crew is headed towards the the cavern where they're going to be able to blow up the thing. And so, of course, the Scarens are freaking out. They no longer care what the Sebations are doing because their flowers are in danger. They're, they're seriously like, they're like, Graza is on the sh- is on her ship. She's going to blow us up and, and it's a big problem. Wait, maybe having a summit with our greatest enemies. In, our, in the, the place <laughs> of our greatest liability? Maybe that was a bad idea. Maybe we should have been eating more of those flowers. Speaking of the glass cliff and or glass parachute, one of the Scarens recommends that they just blow up the Peacekeeper command carrier and then tell the rest of the Peacekeepers that Greza start, try to start a war with them and they'll all buy it and it'll be fine and it won't lead to an all, all-out war. Honestly, not the worst idea. I mean, it would probably work. Brock is trying to talk Greza out of fighting the Scarens. As he points out, this is a bad idea. We're all going to die for nothing. And she's like... Remember who's in command of this ship, Braca. Like you can't. What? What? What, what she, is she it? She says. She says. Who are? She says. Remember who you are. She says, Officer Braca, commander of the Peacekeeper Fleet. And she goes, Oh right, nobody. How are you gonna uh, mansplain male wife man whore your way out of this one, Braca? He's. I mean, look. We've seen. We've seen what happens when crews lose faith in their captains of any gender. So. I would feel a lot less secure if I was Greza and Bracca was Bracca, who has survived every other captain, is standing in front of me and going, "Hey, you're wasting all of these people's lives for nothing. So not only are they going to die, but it's not going to serve the peacekeepers." Yeah, yeah. Like Bracca's been here since season one. Bracca is the harmony of this show. Braca says, I relieve you of command. And she's like, ha, huh, you relieve me of command. Officers, take him away. And oh, no. Em- embarrassing. Mm, embarrassing no. for her. Everyone just kind of, they're all like, nah. And she's like, oh, oh no. They're like, sorry, sorry, Grazer. You should have made that command before he relieved you of command. You probably should have made that command before you were all like, die for me. Die for nothing. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> She's got a real zap. I mean, honestly, all of the peacekeepers have a real zap Brannigan quality of leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Bracca, Bracca has the attractive offer of do what I say and you won't all die horribly for no reason. Yep. So <laughs> you're right. This is a bad episode to be a female in command because the hat Skyron is being relieved of her position as well because... You know, Crichton is on his way to the base of the flower thing, and, uh... You had one job, Hat Scarin. Right? Keep John Crichton under control! This this really relates back to all of the problems that people have with Crichton. Like, the, the problems that people have when they go up against Crichton. They think that he believes in nothing and will preserve himself above all, all else, and that's not the case. John will risk his life for the greater good. And... Going all the way back to the beginning of the series, when we were dealing with the conflict between 
the lofty ideals of science fiction and the reality of the brutality of living in space when they cut off Pilate's arm, mm. right? John's power is that he cares. He's he's going to blow up these fucking flowers and if he dies doing it, he dies doing it. He's already died once. He's I know, I know. I it, I didn't mean to reference Buffy. But yeah. Can't can't hear it without the can't hear it without you. Hey, I've died twice. Hey, I've died twice. (laughs) So, the battle is going on. The Scarens obviously are trying to do whatever they can to keep John from reaching, from reaching the point where the explosion is going to happen. And the shaft is there. They they, it's it's a mile deep. They could drop the bomb down there, but will they be able to escape? Is the question. And you know what? It's a good question. But there's uh, there's one episode left. It's very unlikely that the last episode would just be 40 odd minutes of corpses floating in space. <laughs> it uh, would be a brave choice. So the Scarens are in the chamber. So essentially the Scarens are in the chamber. The elevator is kind of above them with an open shaft that has been drilled down there. They're like, hey, John's not here. It's fine. We saved the flowers. Time to celebrate, everyone. (laughs) Definitely, definitely time to celebrate. The nuke chooses the worst or best time. Is the nuke the real son of John Crichton because it found the dramatically appropriate time to explode? (sighs) Yeah, well, it's... It's not exploding yet. First, John has to do the thing where he talks with Scorpius and is like, hey, I'm willing to die to for my beliefs. Are you willing to die for your beliefs? And Scorpius is like, yeah, duh. Also, can I really die? Yeah, I mean, it's not much of a... It's not much of a commit. He he's he's like the charmings on Once Upon a Time, where they're willing to sacrifice themselves because they know that they never actually have to go through with it. Although to be fair, John has. I was talking for Scorpius. Oh yeah, Scorpius is the charming, definitely. So he kills a lot of people. We haven't seen him throw a baby into a death pit, but you know he totally would though. So I kind of love this. Uh, Lola is up and working again. Stark, Naranti, and Rigel are on Lola, but everybody else is trapped in the elevator. Scorpius has said he will die. The bomb has come back to life because, as you said, it is John's true son. Yes. He drops it down the shaft, and then he goes, oh, we should have voted. (laughs) Everybody okay with this? And uh, uh, pointedly, everybody is not okay with it. Uh, Chiana is definitely not okay with it, but she's outvoted. I mean, it's a little late anyway. Well, I mean, that's kind of why. Yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, the bomb's going to explode in the cavern, but the question is, is the concussive force that goes up through the elevator shaft going to destroy them? Let's find out! (laughs) They're getting another season, and it's just going to be Stark, Naranti, and Rigel. Oh my god. If Naranti kills Rigel really quickly, I would be... I would watch that show, just the Stark and Naranti show. Oh man. I feel like they might need someone to balance it out. I'm sure they'd find someone. Oh, they could dig up that mechanic lady. She didn't die in her last episode, did she? Oh, she didn't. Yeah, for that would be... I don't even know what that show would look like. Anyway, the... The, Sca- the Scarens are like, everything is fine, and then the bombs fall into their hands and explodes. Again, John's true child. Great dramatic timing there. Yeah, literally, literally, it waits until he's, until the Scarin who's in charge down there says, everything is fine. There's an explosion. It looks like, oh, is everyone going to die? The elevator's shaking. We see everyone on the base get fuck-blitterated. Yep. 
Yup. But I guess they're okay. I guess the elevator protected them. Yeah, it's like uh, that fridge from that Indiana Jones movie everyone hated. There you go. You know, Indiana Jones survived a... Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I just assumed everybody knew about that. Yeah. Yeah, which... He survived a nuclear bomb by being inside of a refrigerator. Maybe stop making Harrison Ford be in movies. He seems like he doesn't enjoy it at all. Well, he also said that he would he would give up Indiana Jones when they pried it from his cold dead hands. So Oh. I guess it's the opposite of Han Solo where he's just like, kill me, kill me, <laughs> kill me. Yeah, yeah. We could also but, just stop making Indiana Jones movies. It's I mean, if fun. I'm completely honest here, I think he just doesn't want to see Chris Pratt be Indiana Jones. Oof, that is... That is the sword that is dangling over the head of anyone who has an action franchise. Oh. All right, so Lola comes, swings around and rescues the rest of the people who are trapped in the elevator, and everyone is back on Moya now, and the Scarens have essentially been taken off the board for now. We'll see how that goes when I read you the tagline for the next episode. Mm. And it seems like... They're free. The Scarens are dealing with all of this mess. The Sebations, Brack is in charge, and he's not going to keep chasing John because he's been around since season one. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I've got the greatest superpower in the universe. Common goddamn sense. Uh, Pilot is like, happy to see John. Pilot says, I didn't think I'd see you alive again, and I'm excited to see it. Dargo and Shiana have sex. Yeah. Dargo's like, I realize that I don't actually care that you had sex with my kid. And Shiana's like, Cool. So, yeah, Stark's back on board. Naranti is cooking for Rigel. Chiana and Dargo are boning. Sakozu and Scorpius share their feelings for each other and start making out. Yeah, this is real the end of Act 1 of Into the Woods. Yeah. John and John and Aaron have a moment where basically they're okay. They're not being chased anymore. They're, like... It might be time that they can actually have some peace, but of course, John will never know peace because he's racked with PTSD from everything he's gone through and everything he's had to do. I do really like that uh, Aaron's like, Oliver, look, we're we're free now. All of our problems are solved. And John points out that he had to kill people again. And that even at this point in his life, like, it still messes him up that he has to kill people. Like, he, like he, he's like, they were enemies. They were monsters. But... I could have found a solution that wasn't killing them. And Aaron's like, no. Like, there is a piece, but it's bittersweet, and this would be the perfect place to end the series. But nope. But no, there's more. Uh, Next episode, The Cheese Man. It's a Buffy reference for the for the one of you who listens to our show but doesn't watch Buffy. <laughs> Actually, no. Let me read the description for the next episode. The next and final episode is called Bad Timing. And incidentally, if you're a Farscape fan, you've probably seen clips from this episode all over your timeline because this is the one where Scorpius is in a bunny suit and so that people post it on Easter. Okay, yes, I've been wondering about that because we are very close to the end of the show and I have not seen it yet. Yep, it's in this episode because he's Harvey. Yes. Right. This episode is called Bad Timing and the description on Peacock is... Crichton learns of the Scarens' intention to invade Earth. What a bunch of jerks. Well, and of course, that's John's biggest fear, is bringing everything that he's experienced, is all of this will go back to his home. Like, So mm. it makes sense that that would be the thing that would suck him back in after he's found this uneasy piece. All right, so that is 
We're So Screwed, part three, La Bamba. And I think we have some segments. Honestly, this is such a good episode. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And last, last, got, Farscape ends strong, man. Yeah. All right. Like John, we are in a distant part of the universe. What world building worked for you in this episode? And I think I have a guess what it was. Oh, uh, actually, I'm saving that for the last segment. Oh, okay. The world building I liked was the flower thing. Like, I know it's a weird thing to drop kind of last episode to address how you're getting around a massive empire of murder psychic dragons. But like, I I like the fact that actually all of the things that make these people dangerous come from this one plant that is very easily destroyed. Yeah. And can I be honest? I prefer finding out that a person has a weakness and being able to exploit it as a way of dealing with the frankly unstoppable villain you've created than the way they deal with glory at the end of season five of Buffy, which feels like it's just, well, maybe we just didn't hit her hard enough. I mean, honestly, I feel like this is sort of how they dealt with glory. How do you defeat glory? You kill her when she's in her human form. Oh, oh, good point. Ooh, way to turn my dislike for the finale of season five against me. Ooh, good job. (laughs) Like it was a last minute thing, but I, I do like the concept of the flowers. Yeah, so... This was a weird episode to talk about because so much of it was just jumping back and forth between all of the different factions. What is this charmed? Well, we dealt with like the the delicate tension of we're pretending this is still diplomatic, but in a second it's about to be outright war. And I don't know if that really counts as world building because it feels very real to our world, but I feel like it was very well done the way the way the tension stretched until they finally broke at the end. Yes. Like John, we have seen strange alien creatures. Was there any creature design? I don't think we really saw anything there, there new. There wasn't anything new in this episode. Yeah, because we're 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 in Endgame now. I mean, they had the flowers, but it's alien flowers. Come on. And finally, like John, we are looking at the wonders we have seen. What emotionally resonated with you this episode? I'm sorry, I'm a sucker for a redheaded lady exploding into a bird of fire. Like, I'm a simple man. A simple man. When Sakosu blew up all those dudes, all there for it. That was pretty great. And obviously for me it was the end. The you know, we've we've found we found peace but not but not peace. Mm. We found love in a broken place. Yeah. I know you meant that to be cliche, but yeah. I was quoting a Rihanna song. No, I mean that's yeah. why yeah. Yeah. But yes. Uh, yeah. That's what, what hit me and why I was like, if, if I was doing a Farscape rewatch, I might stop right now. Hmm. No, I wouldn't. I, I know I wouldn't. That's a lie. All right. So we will see. We, we will, we will, we will talk at you next time. Cause I think that about does it for us. Yeah. I think that'll about do it. All right. Our show is partially listener supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you can tweet at us at ILoveTVZines or email us at ILoveTelevisionZines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. Wow.